Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. I want to just welcome you. My name is Pastor Deb Malik, and I am married to the lead pastor here at Refuge, and we've been here together 33 years, so that's a long time. And I want to welcome you to the third most attended day in churches across America. So give yourselves a hand. You made it. You're here on Mother's Day. Who knows what's first? Easter. Easter's first, then Christmas, then Mother's Day. So um, even if your mother isn't here today, I want to thank you on her behalf for being at church today. Because when you talk to her on the phone later, if she's still with us, you can say, guess what I did today for you, Mom? I went to church on Mother's Day. And you know what? We'll really bless her about that because you're going to learn something today that will encourage you and you'll be able to encourage her with. Because mothers are so awesome, aren't they? You know, imagine some people who never quite have a good relationship with their mom. Like some of you might be one of those people. But you know, it's really awesome because we are always complete in Christ. No matter who we are, no matter what we grew up with, no matter what we're around now, we're complete in Christ. So with Mother's Day, um, because it's the third most popular, let's just keep working to get it to one of the, well, I guess top three is probably okay, right? Don't be selfish. (laughs) Well, why don't we open up with a word of prayer? Father, we come to you today, and we thank you, God, for our relationship with you. Because um, without you, we just wouldn't exist. We wouldn't be here. And we thank you for each person that's here today, and, and that each person receives something from you, something that they can be encouraged with. In Jesus' name, amen. So, again, I said my name is Pastor Deb, Deb Malik, and I am the oldest of five children. So, if anybody wonders why I'm kind of like a leader-y kind of person, and maybe I get bossy every now and then, just don't ask anybody around me, but (laughs) it's because I'm the oldest of five, and I didn't have a choice. I was born into that position. And so, something about being a mom and And um, my mom, myself, I have four children, and I think I might have a picture that will show. I have um, an oldest son, the ginger up there. That's Daniel and his lovely wife, Amanda, their daughter, Emery. They all live in Florida, and I have a new grandson who didn't make that picture, although he is in her tummy. So (laughs) technically, he's there. And that's Ira. He was born on the 15th of April. Then we have Mackenzie, who's our baby. She's 18. We have Michaela and her fiancé, Andy. And then Tracy and Nathan and Roman. 
and they are expecting in September. So something that's really awesome about our family situation at the moment is about a little over two years ago, Nathan and Tracy were married, and since that time, we've added about five people to our family. So I like that. <laughs> I think um, being a mom is something that, you know, I, I, last time that I spoke, I talked about that sandwich generation, and, and Pastor Matt and I are part of that. And what that means is we still have our parents around, and then there's us, and then there's our children. And so we're right in between. And so days like Mother's Day, I think, you know, it's really awesome that my life is acknowledged, but it's really awesome that I acknowledge my mom's life because she's still with us. And so don't forget all the women in your life. You know, again, I love what Michaela said. There's so many people that have influenced our lives over the years that have been a mother figure, have been somebody that has nurtured us. We're just so blessed in America to be able to have the relationships that we do. So a little history about the word mom. Did you know that mom, we didn't really call mom mom, until about the 1970s, so 60s and 70s. And so mom, really um, the baby boomers, if you're a baby boomer, wave your hand. We can thank you for mom calling us mom. From the 1500s to the 1800s, it was mother. We called mom, mother. And then mum was in there too, M-U-M. -M. So that was, um, the 1700s was mama. So we, M-A-M-A. -M -A. And then mommy was in the 1800s as well. And mom was a shortened version of mommy, M-O-M-M-Y. And so that's all literature-based for those of you that are into literature. And I think that's really interesting when, um, and then there was a time period that it was just ma. Now, I don't know about you, but my mom hated it when we called, we never called her ma because she didn't like that. <laughs> but my dad's generation, they called my grandma, they called her ma. And so I, I just think that's a little interesting and a little history for you. Now, those of you who don't like history, it's okay. <laughs> grandparents, grandparents are all kinds of names. So it's grandma, grandpa, it's um, nana, it's all kinds of different things. Actually, when our children were growing up, Daniel started calling my mom Bugga. And so she was Bugga. And then Nathan called her Bugga for a little while till Nathan got really cool, and we couldn't call Grandma Bugga anymore. She was Grandma. And, but, but my mom loved that she was called Bugga. So I guess whatever your grandchildren call you, you love it. According to um, when we look at mothers and motherhood, so there's a psychologist, and I thought this was interesting. His name is Stephen B. Poulter. And he talked about how our, our bond with our mother is a really important thing because how we perceive our relationship with our mom or the things that she speaks into our lives is going to help mold us and shape us into adulthood. So he said that there's actually five different kinds of moms. So even though there's all different kinds of moms, he boiled it down to five. 
And so I'm going to talk to you about these moms, and you can pick out what kind of mom you think you are or your mom might have been or moms you've been around. First of all is the perfectionist mom. So the perfectionist mom is the mom whose family must look and act perfect in every way. So if that was your mom, now let me say this. My children probably think that I was one of those moms, the perfectionist mom, but it's only because I'm a pastor's wife because we know that all pastor's children are perfect, right? Sure. <laughs> Not. <laughs> But if that was your mom, you have a strong sense of commitment in relationships and are responsible and reliable to get things done. You value hard work and persistence, and those are core character qualities that you possess. Then there's the unpredictable mother. The unpredictable mother, you never knew what kind of mood she was going to be in. You didn't know if her emotions were going to be anxious or angry or really happy and joyful. And so they kind of dealt with anxiety. They dealt with nervousness. They dealt with all those kinds of things. If that was your mom, you have the ability to be empathetic. You have the ability to help care for people and take care of people. With each one of these moms, their strengths and there's things that we have to work on that go along with it. So if that was your mom, the unpredictable mother, you were somebody who was really good and are really good at offering emotional support to the people around you. Then there's the me first mother. She puts herself before her children. And you know something that's pretty sad is that this guy said in today's society, that's the most, most dominating kind of personality that we have in moms, where they put themselves first. And um, that was really sad to me. <laughs> they make sure that they're the ones dressed first, they're the ones that eat first, they're the ones that get things first. Everything is about them. If you have a me-first mom, you get really good at supporting others because you always were the person supporting your mom. And you also find it hard to trust people because it was always your mom's feelings that came first. Then there's the best friend mother. How awesome is it to have a mom that's your best friend? Well, the best friend mom is really, really cool, right? Because she's your best friend, and everybody knows she's your best friend. But guess what? It wreaks havoc when you get older. Because a best friend mom isn't going to tell you what you need to hear. She's always going to tell you what you want to hear because she wants that best friend relationship with you. She enjoys treating her children as equals. She's even the mom that, like, if you're somebody who parties, she's going to be at the party with you. If you're somebody who dabbles in things that you shouldn't, she's going to be there with you because she's your best friend. And she might not want you to experience necessarily those kinds of things, but she's going to be there with you if you do. That's really sad to me. <laughs> Don't be a best friend mom. You know, when we think about who we are as people and as we're growing and maturing, 
We need a mom who's going to tell us not just what we want to hear, but what we need to hear. Because in our brains and how we function, we're not mature enough until we get to be in our late 20s and early 30s to really figure out how this whole life thing works. And so if you're a best friend mom, children that have best friend moms feel kind of motherless. They kind of feel like they don't have somebody that was that role model for them, that emotionally they feel neglected, and they even feel rejection. And so they're always, when they're in other relationships, they're always the people that are going to be taking care of everybody emotionally because they weren't taken care of emotionally, and they want to help others be taken care of emotionally. Children need parents to make decisions. And, you know, I think even in our age as parents, you know, and our youngest is 18 years old, just turned 18. So she was 17 like a little over a week ago. So to me, she's kind of still 17, you know. Well, she hasn't graduated high school yet. Let's put it that way. So as long as she's living in and under our roof, guess what? Our house rules are our house rules. It's not just because she's 18 and that the same goes for Michaela because she lives with us and any other adult that lives with us. It's our home. And so we set the environment. We set the atmosphere. And so it's important parents to be a parent to your children. And then there's the complete mother. The complete mother is the one who provides guidance and shows compassion to her children. This ideal is only experienced in about 10% of moms. And when I read through what a complete mom was, you know what I thought? That's a woman who fears the Lord. That's a woman who loves God. Because a complete mom is emotionally balanced. She can see her children as individuals, and she helps them achieve their own independence. She doesn't put her children in a box, knowing that each child is different, so each one has a different personality, and each one is going to excel in different things. And so that complete mother also gives their children responsibility. And from a young age, they start giving responsibility. The children of a complete mother, because you feel loved and understood, you're somebody who takes risks. So a lot of you that are here because of college you probably had a complete mother <laughs> because you were able to move away from home and take time away from your family to be launched out into whatever God's called you to do. If you're a, a child of a complete mother, you have the ability and insight to appreciate that other people are different than you, that you want to surround yourself with people that aren't just like you, because you know that the world is made up of all kinds of wonderful people. And so, again, a complete mother is able to na navigate, or the, the child is going to be able to navigate challenges that come to you as an adult. Because challenges will come to you as an adult. There's all kinds of moms. Like I said, I feel like the complete mom is the mom that has godly character. Because there is not a perfect mom out there. If you're looking for her, you won't find her. And yet, in Christ, we're complete. In Colossians 2, 6 through 10, this is a New Living Translation. 
It says, and now, just as you accepted Christ as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. You know, when I read through those scriptures, I thought we are only complete in Christ. There are all kinds of other philosophies out there. There's other things spiritually that can be tugging at you. Things like, you know, I, I watch television and every now and then you see that you can go and talk to a spiritual guide, you know, to somebody, a psychic that can tell your future. Guess what? You don't need a psychic. You have God's word. <laughs> you have the kingdom of God. You have people of God. A psychic isn't of this world. That's the other spiritual things that this is talking about. And so it's knowing that we can get the prophetic word. We can, we can get things for our future. Those are found in God's word. But if you never open up that Bible, guess what? You're never going to find it. <laughs> and so I just want to encourage you with that. We, again, we're talking about Proverbs 31, forever 31. And, you know, moms seem like they live forever, right? Even, even if your mom isn't with you, if your mom's in heaven, it's like she's still always there because she is. She's a part of you. And so when I think about that Proverbs 31 woman, that whole scripture in, in Proverbs 31 from 10 down to 31, there's so much in there. I'm not going to read it all to you, but I'd like you to read it. So that can be your homework today. <laughs> so let's look at Proverbs 31, 10 through 12. A wife of noble character. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She's more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her, and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good and not harm all the days of his life. And then in Proverbs 31, 25 through 31, she is clothed with strength and dignity, and she laughs without fear of the future. I love those songs this morning because it talked about faith and fear. You know that those things are opposite of one another. If you deal with fear, the answer to that is faith and trust in God. When she speaks, her words are wise, and she gives instructions with kindness. She carefully watches everything in her household and suffers nothing from laziness. Her children stand and bless her. Her husband praises her. There are many virtuous and capable women in the world, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceptive, and beauty does not last, but a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward her for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. You know, and that's something for me when I think about my mother. 
You know, I think of all the wonderful things she is. I think of all the things that she's gone through in life to get her where she is today. And, you know, I, when I have the relationship I have with my mom, like, I would never talk back to my mother. Like, that's just not something that happens. And I'm sure there was a day I did. As a matter of fact, I know there was a day that I did. There was a time that I worked with my mom. She was a... Um, she was a waitress at a supper club, and I was a bus girl. And so it was really busy, and it was a New Year's Eve, and she was telling me to clean off all these tables, and I was, like, running around like a chicken with my head chopped off, at least I thought, at 16 years old, you know. And so she told me, you know, get this table, get that table. Well, there was another bus girl, and to me, um, she was, like, not doing as much as I was. So, you know... <laughs> I said, um, Mom, why don't you tell her to do something? And she's like, fine, then I'll do it myself. And she said something else, which I won't say here. But <laughs> And so I thought, that's horrible. She's so mean to me. So guess what? I didn't talk to my mom for three months. That was not a nice girl. <laughs> and it got to a point where my dad came to me and said, okay, you need to talk to your mother. So at this point, my mom, when she would, we would have dinner at the table, she wouldn't set a dinner place for me. She wouldn't do my laundry. So she was showing me, you want it your way? You want to be okay? You can have it. So guess what? I broke down. So three months, though. I can't imagine that. So see why I needed Jesus? I needed Jesus really bad. <laughs> So Proverbs 31, I'm going to paraphrase what a Proverbs 31 woman is. She brings peace and goodness to her husband. She was hospitable and resourceful. She gets things done and makes meals for her family. She's discerning about how to invest in her future. She's a strong and hard worker. She has compassion for those who are in need. She uses her creativity to make her house a home. She has faith in God and for his provisions. She doesn't live in fear. She doesn't lack wisdom is in discern and is discerning of the Lord's word. She's watchful over her household. She possesses a love that is a blessing to her family and her community. And most of all, she fears the Lord. So think about that Proverbs 31 woman. You know, she sounds a little like perfect to me. And she sounded really busy too, right? Like we all have 24 hours in a day. Like I don't get how she gets all that done. <laughs> 24 hours. And yet God doesn't expect perfection out of us. You know, we hear so much about balance. And re recently I was listening to a podcast and it was a lady who was a next-generation, next-gen pastor, and she was over 800 volunteers. Like, that's a lot of volunteers. <laughs> and she said, you know, when we talk about balance, we're like, okay, I'm a mom. I'm a leader in my church. I'm a wife. I have all these things to accomplish. And if people think I have balance in my life, I don't have balance in my life. I choose what the balance in my life is. And so she talked about the core of who she is. So like when I think about my life, the core of who I am 
is, first of all, I'm a child of God. Making time for my time with the Lord is, first of all, most important. And then my husband, and if I can get, well, we've not had um, grass for a while, so he's not on his lawnmower. So I get more time with him, so that's a good thing. <laughs> that season is changing. <laughs> um, he loves his lawnmower, by the way. And, um, but the balance in that is those are times then I get to do what I want to do because he's on his lawnmower, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I think about that. I think about my children and spending time with my children and my grandchildren. And guess what? There's never going to be enough time to do all those things. And so I'm not going to guilt myself about it. I do the best with what I have. And I just want to encourage you moms and grandmas and students, ladies, men, all of you, you have 24 hours in a day, and you do the best with what you have. Whenever we think about our day, there's always something that's vying for our attention, right? And it's kind of that squeaky wheel gets the oil. But don't be that person. <laughs> don't be the person that's running after fires all the time, because that is out of balance. And when you spend time with the Lord, the Holy Spirit leads and guides you. So you know those things that you need to be listening to, that you need to cater to. You know, um, the other thing about a Proverbs 31 woman is I could simplify what that is. And it really is, bottom line, love God and love people. And if you're loving God and you're loving people, you'll have the balance that God's called you to have in your life. So when I talked about mom and where it came from and, and how it was used over the centuries, do you know the meaning of the word mom, mother? It's really profound. A female parent. Like, that's it. A female parent. So now you know there's one thing that you're leaving with today. You know the meaning of mom. <laughs> But there's um, this thing online called an Urban Dictionary, and it's something that is, um, it's a modern or a slang dictionary, and people, people put their ideas of what things are. And so some of the definitions there said, the woman who loves you unconditionally from birth, the one who puts her kids before herself, and the one who you can always count on above everyone else. Just telling her your problems makes you feel better because moms always know how to make it all go away. And even if you fight, you know that she's looking out for your best interests. And then last, where would you be without your mom? You know, I think um, for me that became really real last year. And I know there's some of you that your mom isn't with you anymore. Your mom is in heaven. But you know, you never, you never um, don't miss your mom. You know, there's always something that your mom spoke into your life or you, you just wish you could pick up the phone and talk to mom because it was mom. You know, I, as I said, I went through last year, my mom actually had been diagnosed with cancer over her lifetime, three times, and um, in December of 2015 was the last time that she was diagnosed with cancer, but by the December of 2016, she was cancer-free, so thank you, God. 
And so then the next June, we were in Florida visiting Daniel, Amanda, and Emery, and, and my mom went with, and she started having super bad pain. And so she came home from that, went in, and she was diagnosed with cancer Again, although they didn't know for sure, but they thought her symptoms were that she had cancer because she had it so many times before. So they treated her, and um, she had gone in for three different treatments, and by the third time, it was so painful and unbearable. She's like, I'm ready to go home to be with Jesus because I cannot handle this pain anymore. And so... um, Um, Pastor Matt and I were actually in Washington, D.C., and we got a phone call, and she was receiving her third treatment. And with the phone call, they said they are giving her hours to days to live. We had just gotten to Washington, D.C., and I'm like, "Ah, what are we going to do? And and to be honest with you, I wasn't in faith. (laughs) I listened to the report, and that's what I believed. Because she dealt with cancer three times, this was the fourth time. I'm like, what are the chances (laughs) in my brain and in what I was listening to? But um, so I'm like, we need to turn around. We need to go back. Because I would feel awful if I'm in Washington, D.C. And my mom is home with the Lord. And I wasn't there with her. And so we turned around. But Pastor Matt was like, you know, when I pray, I just believe she's, she's got like 10 more years. I'm like, right. You did not listen to that report, you know. <laughs> but he was praying and spending time with God. And he, he heard 10 more years. And then Mackenzie was saying to me, Mackenzie was with us, and she's like, Mom, I can't believe you're not trusting God. I can't believe you're not hearing what God is saying. Why don't you have faith? Like, I can't believe this. And and I just was like, you're right, <laughs> because I was listening to that report. And that report was more real to me, thinking I'm not going to see my mom again. And I love my mom. I want to see my mom again. <laughs> and so um, because of that, we turned around, we came back, and it had been, um, so that was July 31st. From July 31st, I mean, we planned her funeral, we wrote her eulogy, all that stuff was happening. And, and she was, you know, they were continuing to up the morphine, and, and so she was at that place where she was going to see Jesus. <laughs> and so we had, um, you know, round the clock for 21 days, my family, we all stayed, and then it just got to be 21 days because my mom kept getting better. And they were preparing her for hospice. And then my mom was like, I don't feel like I can go into hospice and get that kind of care when there are people a lot worse off than I am. And so then, then we started asking more questions and things started changing. So by October 10th, my mom was released from the hospital, walking out of that hospital. She had a wheelchair to help her just because of strength. But, but it was an absolute miracle. And then um, she was in assisted living, and by December 15th, she was home. And this is a woman who was supposed to be dead in hours or days. And this was such a, a push to me spiritually because I believe God's word is true. I believe God heals people. 
But what was it that I was listening to that report first? It was because of my relationship with my mom. Like I wanted my relationship with my mom to go on forever. <laughs> and so, um, you know, I had to repent and God, I, I do trust you. And, and I call my mom a miracle mom every time I see her. You know, she was just at Mackenzie's birthday and graduation party. And I'm like, mom, according to those reports, you weren't supposed to be here. You're a miracle. You are a miracle. And so when I think about that, my world was shaken. And there's every day that our worlds are shaken. There's every day, every day that we receive reports or something that isn't something we, we expected. You know, there's people in this congregation that have gotten those phone calls that weren't the phone calls you were supposed to get. And yet that became your reality. And you know, it's only through Jesus Christ that we are complete. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can get to that place of victory. And, and I had to get there in my life. You know, I spent um, my birthday and our 25th anniversary, I was the person overnight with my mom because she was going to be in heaven. And I thought, that's going to be so sweet. She's going to be meet Jesus. She's getting promoted on my birthday, maybe. Like, really? Why couldn't I believe that she's going to get up out of that bed and walk on my birthday? <laughs> so I'm just being vulnerable. This was my reality, and this is what I dealt with. And I know God's word is true. And it's really encouraged me going through that kind of thing, knowing that all of you have dealt with something. And so what shakes and what rattles our world? There's a Christian um, speaker. Her name is Christine Kane. And some of you um, may have, have heard of her over the years. And she's a lady who got a report that was absolutely crazy. At 33 years old, she found out that she was adopted at 33. So she lived her whole life thinking one way and then thinking a completely different way because then she found out she was adopted. And so she did research and and wanted to find her parents and all those kinds of things. And do you know when she found her birth certificate? It said in the section that says child's name, it said unnamed number 2508 of 1966. So think about her beginning. Think about what she dealt with from that moment on. She felt like she was totally unwanted. She didn't even have a name, nothing. And yet that woman is such a strong and mighty force in the kingdom of God. Again, every day we have moments that we're going to get bad news. And what are we going to do with that? You know, honestly, I kind of failed. <laughs> when I got the worst news I thought I could have gotten. And yet through that course and praying and being there with my mom and walking her through things, like now it's totally opposite. Like we don't talk negative about those kinds of things. We're encouraging. We're always like, you know, mom has this, and I'm like, but look at how it could have been, or, you know, always looking at the bright side of things. It's knowing that we don't have control of everything that goes on in our lives, but God does. God controls our today and our future. And are we hanging on to his hand, and are we being led by the Spirit of God? Or are we trying to tell God how to run our life? 
Are we trying to tell God, this is what you have for me? Or are we looking to him to say, what do you have for me? Whenever we get news that isn't expected, how we navigate through that, how we move forward. You know, again, we're not perfect people. We all have stuff that goes on in our lives. But is our first thought to take a step back and say, Holy Spirit, what are you speaking to me? God, what do you want me to do in this situation? You know, the other thing about trials and all that yucky stuff, the Bible doesn't say if they'll come. It says when they'll come. So we know it's going to come. In James 1, 2 through 6, in the NIV, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all, without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. I was somebody who doubted, and I was thrown like that wave of the sea until I got hold of this is what God's word says. And I believe God's word as truth. So, again, we all have plenty of junk that goes on in our lives. But the lens that we look through, all that junk that happens, determines where we're going to go with it. We can go to the promised land where all the giants are and all the junk is going on and still see Jesus sitting on the throne, still see that Jesus has all the answers, knowing that in Christ we're able to do all things, anything. You know, the enemy can still steal our courage. He can bring discouragement. He can bring disappointment. He can do all that. But God can do so much more. You know, again, I love these songs because it talks about the fear side of things, but there's faith and there's God's love for us and what God's love does in and through us. You know, one of, one of the things that happens in relationships is there's times that people hurt you, right? But maybe it was your mom that hurt you. You know, those are wounds that can go deep. And, and guess what? I'll bet you any money <laughs> that there isn't a mom out there who intentionally wants to hurt their children. Sometimes they say things that are stupid. Sometimes they say things that they don't mean. Sometimes they're too rushed and, and they say things out of context or all that kind of stuff. But we have to look at the best and believe the best in our mothers and in other people around us. But you know, they're there might be some of you who feel betrayed by your mom or a parent, you know, or other people. Did you know that the meaning of the word betray means to get kicked in the gut? And you know what? You can't get kicked in the gut unless you're standing close to somebody. So you're not going to be betrayed by somebody who's on the other side of the county. It's the person who's standing near and close to you. Those wounds and those cuts, they hurt. And you know what? You can't cut somebody either if, if you're not close to them. 
So it's knowing, again, that when Jesus surrounds us, gives us people around us in our inner circle, the people that we let around us to be encouraging, like that's what we need to do because there's there are people that may not have your best interest at heart that you're around. Whenever there's pain, you know, we all experience pain, but we can get through those things. You know, I, I can't imagine the pain that it must be. Losing a mom is a really hard thing, and I haven't experienced that. Some of you have. I haven't lost somebody super close to me. I, I recently, though, our family went through, um, a niece was killed in a snowmobile accident, and that shook our family. You know, it shook um, my brother especially. It, it was something very recent. And so we're helping walk them through those things. And, you know, it's knowing that that's what love is. That's what family is. And family doesn't have to just be blood. You know, some of you are closer to me than some of my, my natural relatives are. And it's knowing that God set you as part of my sphere around me, my inner circle, my people to encourage me. And he's done that for all of you. You all have people around you that are an encouragement to you. So whether you're a woman, a mom, a dad, whoever you are, we need the wisdom of God to navigate our course in the world that we live in. We need to be resilient. We need to know what God's purpose is for our lives. God's purpose for our lives isn't to run around putting out fires, all these little things that go on around us. God's purpose in our life is to fulfill what he's called us to. The Proverbs 31 woman was wise. And the whole book of Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And I really encourage you, especially if you don't read your Bible every day, start reading one, one proverb a day because there's 31 books in um, Proverbs. And so something that was interesting about the book of Proverbs is do you know... Um, that that really wasn't an instruction manual for wives. Its purpose was to provide a young man with a vision for what he should and look, look for in a wife. Isn't that awesome? Because, again, nobody's all those things, but there, there are um, attributes that we all can have in that Proverbs 31 woman. The qualities that we possess as a Christian are found in the book of Proverbs. So open up that book. Look at what the wisdom of God talks is talking to us about. And knowing that we can walk in God's wisdom no matter, no matter what situation and circumstance you're facing. Our purpose as Christians is to love God and to love people. And so that's my challenge to you today. Love God and love people. People aren't perfect. God is perfect. The perfect one loves us. So let's pray. Let's commit our hearts to truly loving God. And if you're somebody out there today and, and you don't know the Lord, but you want his wisdom, this is a really safe place that you can find Jesus. This is a place for you to be able to grow in him. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. 
And if that's you, if, if you really don't know the love of God, if you really don't feel like you have his wisdom, I'd like you to close your eyes. And if that's you, you want to know more about him. You want to let go of your old ways and really follow him wholeheartedly. I ask that you raise your hand and that you commit your life in Christ. I see that hand. I see that hand. Thank you. Father, we come before you today, and we thank you. Thank you, God, for each person that raised their hand today, that we commit our walk with you to be wholehearted, to be filled with wisdom. And, Father, that first of all, we love you more than anything on this earth. And, Lord, that we love your people, the people you've created. Father, we thank you for moving by your Holy Spirit in this place today. And as we leave, Lord, I thank you that you bring to mind the things that you want us to remember and the things that you want us to act on. In Jesus' name, thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.